0: Welcome to the Envision Rise podcast show, a podcast that helps foster respect through inclusion, service, and equity. Now, here's your host, Stacy Hegarty.
1: Welcome to the Envision Rise podcast. I'm Stacy Hegarty, Vice President of Equity and Inclusion for Envision Rise. Joining us on today's episode is Chris Taylor, founder and CEO of Actionable. Chris, coming to us from Toronto, Canada. Welcome.
0: Indeed. Thank you so much for having me, Stacey. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: You may be our first Canadian on the show. Thank you so much. We're glad you could join us. Let's start off with some introductions. Why don't you tell our listeners about yourself and then tell us about Actionable.
0: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And so Chris Taylor, as Stacy said, I'm in Toronto, Canada. I'm a husband, father to two, and them busy on that front. And uh, in my spare time, I run a company called Actionable.co. I started the company about 14 years ago. And what we do is support the behavior change efforts in corporate learning programs. So what does that mean? How do you help learners that are inspired, that have those great ideas in the sessions to actually translate those good intentions into lasting action, into behavior change? I've been obsessed with this idea of translating ideas into practice for the better part of 14 years. And and so this manifestation of the company is around helping learners do that as well, so that they can see traction with the investment that they've made of their time. And so the companies that are making that investment can see an actual, I can see impact. They can actually start to look at an ROI on training programs.
1: All right. Let's talk about this because as some of our listeners know, my background before my current role was in higher education and adult learning is so much different than what we remember from primary and secondary school. And When you become an adult, it becomes so much harder, I think, not only to learn new things, but to operationalize those new things that you're learning. So let's talk about that a little bit. How are adults learning things and putting that new learning into action?
0: Yeah, I'm really glad you brought up the education system because obviously there's been changes in the education system. I look at my kids in school and their experience is different than it was when I was there. But I think Stacy is someone from the space, you'd likely agree that it's pretty glacial change happening in the education sector. And, and it's different in the corporate world, but it's also different for us as adults with demands on our time and both demands on our time and the expectation that we are experts in our craft. Otherwise, what do we have in the role that we have? And so there's all these extra layers that are added on to the learning experience that can make it quite challenging to translate ideas into action. But if we use the education starting point where if we go back a ways, it was the talking head, right? It was, I will tell you stuff. You will remember all of it. You will cram for an exam and then you'll promptly forget most of it, but that's okay because the system is set up to reward short-term memory. Thankfully, the corporate education space moved beyond that for 50, 60 years ago, as we looked at instructional design. How do we actually, how do we design the sessions that people are experiencing to lead to greater memory recall? And then if we go back about 15 years, there was the introduction of experience design, concept borrowed from the tech world, but applied to corporate learning. It was around creating memorable experiences, really good science out there around sensory experience, linking memories. And so it's easier for us to remember things when it was that memorable thing that we did in the session. What we believe at Actionable, what we've seen is that's great, but that's still only focused on knowledge recall it's not yet focused on the application of the learning. Application of learning benefits from what we describe as impact design, where certainly experience design is important. And of course, instructional design is a critical foundation to this. But if we're not designing programs to actually be focused on the outcome, on the impact that we're trying to create, it's it's not really fair of us to expect the learners, the time-starved learners that are exposed to that content to somehow decide what's important, try to put it into practice, fall down because it's something new, get back up again, keep going long enough to establish a change in and amongst all the other things that they have to do with their time. So this is the problem that we're tackling within actionable. And if we're doing it right, which we hope we are, we can also be able to demonstrate that change so that there is that the greater measurement level.
1: So let's talk about how corporate education actually benefits organizations, something that we see often when the economy takes a negative turn, as our economies have done lately globally. The first thing an organization does is said, okay, we're going to cut training Yep. and we're going to take that completely out. And our employees are good enough. They're either deciding that employees are good enough or that employees are so very dedicated that they're going to take on this expense of time, energy, money, on their own without support from the organization. Are you seeing that? Is that the, is that one of the first things that you're seeing as well?
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm gonna, appreciating where it's sort of the early days of this, is it a recession? Is it not a stage? If we go back to the beginning of the pandemic, I think it was that sort of on a dime flip into, in a lot of cases, recession mindset for companies. And we saw it, we work with a global network of consulting firms that utilize actionable in their business with their clients. And we saw 60, 70% of them just had their business go off a cliff in March of 2020, right? From full calendar, nine months out to literally nothing. And yes, that represents to me that mindset of cut expenses, cut them quick when it comes to almost financial prudence, right? Like it's the responsibility of the company to rein in a bit. What was really interesting to me though, Stacey, was the 30 to 40% that did not have that happen. And in fact, didn't miss a beat. They just kept going with their clients. And in a few cases, there was almost a survivor guilt that they had because they actually had their best years ever in 2020. These are corporate training firms, right? That are in, their colleagues are decimated and they're thriving. What's the difference? One of the core differences as we've seen, and we spent a long time digging into this, is the mindset on the part of the client. Is that training an expense or is it an investment? And everybody talks about the investment in their people, right? But when push comes to shove, when it's recessions looming and we need to cut back, training gets cut, which I would suggest means that it's not being treated as an investment. It's being treated as an expense. And of course, we reduce our expenses personally and corporately when times are a little bit leaner. And for me, the missing piece there is the ability to actually demonstrate impact, right? To be able to demonstrate the return on investment that exists. And so just coming back to your question I think it's an interesting state where yes training expenses get cut training investments don't training investments need to actually have a way to show that it's investment not just to say it's an investment
1: So what you're talking about is far more than bringing in a consultant to do a day of training with your managers and hope that's leadership training that's going to stick Yeah <laughs> <laughs> what what does actionable actually do to help support the learning that needs to go on, as opposed to, we checked a training box, everybody had eight hours of leadership training, we should be good to go for another 12 months?
0: That's a great question. So I'm going to actually park actionable temporarily and circle back to what I promised. But it starts before actionable. It starts through, I use this term, impact design. That's, That's a nice sort of buzzy catchphrase. But it actually means a different way of thinking about training investment. And in a really sort of surface level, it's saying, what are the strategic priorities for the organization this year? Okay. Based on those strategic priorities, where are the competency gaps that we need to develop inside our organization? Okay. So one connects to the other. Once we identified the competencies, how does that actually show up? What are the behaviors that people are shifting? How are they acting differently? How would we know by looking at them that they're acting in a different way? that is aligned to the competencies, that is aligned to the strategic priorities. And once you've identified what the behaviors are, then the training design, as far as deciding what we're actually going to be bringing in to provide to our employees, should be nothing less and nothing more than the knowledge and the motivation for people to want to engage in those behavioral changes, to have the knowledge on how to engage in those behavioral changes. So piece one, and this is what we work on with the consultants we work with and clients and anyone that will listen to me speak from a stage or a podcast, is that it's way too often I see situations where someone from HR, inside corporate, is shopping for a leadership development program. And if the consultant says, why? First of all, they're taken aback. What do you mean, why? Why? What is it that you're looking to achieve with the leadership program? And the answer is something circuitous. We want better leaders right? Or we want our leaders to be better for their people. Awesome. Great intention. But but why? What does better leadership look like on the other side for you? And how does that connect to strategic priorities? So that layer of strategic priorities, competencies, behaviors, and then finally the training needs to be laid in first. If that's laid in first, what Actionable does is help to bridge the gap going the other direction. It helps participants to take a key learning and to apply it in a way that shifts their behaviors it allows the behaviors to be measured and quantified and to, at, to be looked at across the organization to say, these behaviors grouped these ways are starting to impact these competencies. Are you seeing a corresponding change in a KPI that would suggest your strategic priorities are on track? Lots of words loaded in there, but ultimately what Actionable is designed to do is to be that system by which you take training and connect it back to the strategic priorities of the organization.
1: I think there are so many times that I know we hear from clients that while training's not a priority right now, that is, and it, at the end of the day, what it boils down to is the C-suite feeling like they can't quantify the return on investment because training as this big overarching idea Generally, their employees aren't taking a test or something like that in the ways that we would assess learning when we were growing up or sure. even in college. Now out in the real world with our jobs and our careers, we don't assess in that way. So how do you go about assessing learning for adults? You're obviously not giving a midterm or a cyber or any of those kind of things.
0: No. Yeah, because those types of assessments are really capturing knowledge retention, right? Saying, how much do you remember from the session? It's not actually looking at how do you, how are you applying it? How is it actually impacting your work? And so there are some great, 360s are very popular. The idea of looking for observable behavior change from, from colleagues and from your boss. Um, ultimately, we want to see though, even that it's still subjective to a degree. What we want to see is we want to see movement on the KPIs that are actually being, that the company cares about. One of the areas that rarely gets cut in training during a recession is sales training. One, because of course we want to continue to grow our companies. But secondly, I believe it's because it's a lot easier to measure the impact of sales training, right? It's like we're generating more revenue or booking more leads or whatever, right? Sales is a really great function in the sense that they measure everything along the way. Whereas leadership development or equity and inclusion development right, really hard to, to start to quantify. So that's why that connection point at the beginning work of saying, I was going through it at a theoretical level, but let's say this is a real client example. The strategic priority is to, to cut costs. Our costs are too high. What's one of the biggest areas? It's headcount. So are we cutting roles? No, the biggest challenge is actually that we have 60% voluntary turnover in, in our frontline staff and it's costing us 7 million bucks a year. Okay. So a strategic priority now is to reduce that $7 million expense. How are we going to do that? They identified a number of vehicles, one of which was we need better leaders at the frontline level to hang on to those people longer. They could have stopped there and it would have been really risky because they would have gone, we need some leadership training. So go find some leadership training. But they did the work of going an extra layer and saying, how would our leaders be different if they were retaining people, if they were keeping people motivated and, and weren't desiring to work here. And so they identified things like better psychological safety, better feedback and accountability, buying opportunities to have discussion around career advancement, et cetera. And so they made this sort of laundry list of things that they, that, that are in the competency and behavior between those two, those two buckets. And then said, okay, what would leadership training look like if it was designed only to advance those things? So we're not going for a vanilla, sort of 101 level training, but we're also not looking for the latest flavor of the month. It's around training that is going to develop these things. And so now as they start to develop their leaders and they're using Actionable to measure the behavior changes that people are making, we were able to group those. There's 170 leaders going through that program and we could organize them in such a way that they could then say, okay, we're starting to see an improvement in the voluntary turnover in this area. What have those people been working on? Oh, wow, they've really been thriving at the psychological safety commitments to behavior change. That's not stating causation, but if you show enough sort of those connection points and those correlations, companies start to go, I don't care if it's causation or correlation, there's enough here that I'm gonna continue to invest in this type of leadership training because I can quantify it. Whether it's exact or not, I have that connection. So I, I get on my soapbox, Stacey, here, but the, it's partially just logic it's partially data. And then it's the reflection and review of the leadership team saying, yeah, I can see this connection. This makes sense.
1: So what can a client expect from Actionable? What, what happens when from the time they, it's determined, here are the strategic areas we want to focus on improving? What do you do then? What happens? <laughs>
0: That's a great question. So we work with, as I alluded to earlier, this global network of consulting firms. And so we don't do content. There's people out there like yourselves that do content really well around specific subject matter expertise. Excuse me. So what we do though, is we partner with the folks who are going to be delivering the training. And so when they're delivering the training, they do their thing. They get people understanding the content at a cerebral level. They're getting them caring about the content. And this to me is the power of a strong facilitator, right? Anybody can regurgitate information. Good facilitators get people to go, oh, wow. Yeah, that really matters to me. And then, and anyone who's done facilitation work knows that feeling. When you see the group, just get it right. You feel that groundswell. Got oh, And they're excited and they've got these great intentions. What we want to do is bottle that good intention. So towards the end of the session, before they've left the room, whether the room is a real one with four walls or one of these, before they leave, the facilitator probably already doing a version of what was your biggest takeaway? How are you going to apply it? Who's going to support you? What's going to get in the way? Something like that, right? They're now doing it with with a technology backdrop. So they pull out their phones, they scan a QR code, and they're answering some questions in there, but they're also making a commitment to the one thing that they're going to do differently, leaving the room. And this is that idea where people make these intentions like, I'm going to be a better listener. Okay, awesome. Good intention, but we don't do better listening. That's the outcome. What's the thing? And so the thing that they might do would be something like, when I'm in a meeting, Instead of leading with my opinion, I will ask one clarifying question, something really practical and tangible. There's a whole bunch of great books out there on habits. They're largely all based on the same body of research out of Stanford. And, uh, and there's a structure to it. And there's a certain language that really resonates. So the actual platform incorporates all of that and helps people get to a place where the thing they're committing to is tangible. It's a daily practice. It's measurable. It's manageable. And then they leave the room. And then we have a nudge technology that will check in with them periodically. It's basically say, hey, Stacey, you said you were going to work on being a better listener. How's it going? You rate your progress. You can journal about it. It's really lightweight. It's it's literally like two minutes a week that they're spending on this thing, which is the intention. We don't want it to be a thing they have to do. It's a support system to help them do the thing they already wanted. Right? It's that inspired moment translated into lasting change. Then the background, we're generating all the reporting around that to say, here's the behaviors that are shifting. The facilitators might use that to update their next session, to tweak it a little bit. If there's coaches involved, they can use it to coach to, as opposed to the, how's it been going? They've now got data. They know how it's been going. And the senior leadership group can start to see, oh, wow, our strategic priorities are being advanced by these behaviors, which was driven by this content. Good for the consultant. Good for the client. Good for the participant.
1: This is such fascinating technology for me, because it reminds me of people who are on a wellness journey, a physical wellness journey, and they want to stop you know, snacking so much at night, or whatever it is, they tell you, write down everything that you do, or sure. is eating. And while that's not going to necessarily change your behavior, it does make you become much more reflective on that habit.
0: That's exactly it. Someone years ago referred to actionable as the Fitbit for learning. It's not by itself going to change your behavior, but it makes you more reflective. That's you couldn't, couldn't have said it better myself. Exactly.
1: And so often when, when from a consultant's point of view, when we're in working with clients, they really do have every good intention while they're sitting in that room with us of we're going to, that this is great information and we really want to make this change. And what we know about humans is even if it's good change, we don't like it. Unless you get us in a mindset where we can change our own mind about what that change means for us. So I love that this is a tool that kind of follows you around a little bit. And just as a reminder back to that space of, hey, remember when you said you wanted to become a better listener and this is how you're going to do it. So what happens for the individual? So they get the reminder and they check in. And what do they see? Do they need to write text? Do they rate themselves? What does the tool actually do when they check in?
0: Yeah, great question. They've got a, the two parts. There's a check-in wheel. So it's a one to 10 scale. It changes color, interactive. It's fun. It's addictive, actually. So speaking of habit. So they rate themselves. How do I feel I'm doing with this today? And then if they'd like to, they can also add a note or a journal entry, if you will. Some people do some don't we have some pretty compelling data that suggests you should write things down it will lead to greater change but uh, but it's optional and so they'll usually do that a couple times a week for usually three to four weeks and then at the end of that period they'll have usually a more fulsome reflection exercise so it'll be a few questions that are more around what's changed for you what impact has it had etc but just to really anchor in that learning and and this is the sort of three to four week cycle It doesn't end at that point. This is, we usually, Action was usually utilized in programmatic installations. So they're going through multiple sessions over a period of several months. And so at the beginning of the next session, there will often be a debrief of that. So again, instead of the facilitator having to ask, so how's it been going, everyone? The facilitator clicks the one click to generate the report, put it on the screen and say, all right, so this is what we accomplished as a group. This is where we fell down. Let's talk about it. Gary, it looks like you had a great breakthrough on X. Can you tell us about that, et cetera? And so it it gets deeper, faster. For the participant, they have their own record over time too. So in addition to the check-in, they have their own graph and journal record. And so they can see their progress. And to your point about the health and fitness, the opportunity to reflect more regularly really cements the learning for them and, and can help them change course if they're off track. They also have the ability to support each other. It's not a social app. It's not designed to be, but they can choose accountability partners and they can have some support there. Yeah.
1: Oh, This is such a great tool because anyone who's ever led multiple training sessions with the same groups of people, four weeks, so you, you do session one, everybody feels good. They're committed. They're going to go. Four weeks later, you're back. And they literally have not given a second thought to what they were so committed to just a month ago. And it, it's... It sets you back so far in your training efforts, in your organizational change efforts. And it's not that people are lazy. They're not blowing it off. People are busy and our brains do the habits. So if our habit is we go to work, we do these things, we have lunch, we do these things. When we get back from lunch and we go home and we don't put in this new habit, everything falls apart. That's it. And then organization, organizational leaders feel like, okay, training doesn't work. So they don't feel too guilty about cutting it when it's time to say goodbye to an expense.
0: And I, you know, I, and I love the space and I love, I work every day with the facilitators that are doing that work and pouring their heart into it. And from a senior leadership perspective, if that's the cycle that you've been experiencing your entire career, can you blame them for putting on a job like that? It's our responsibility as leaders is to protect the financial security of the business. and something's not generating a return, it's got to go. I think what's even more frustrating, because you're right, and that's usually the case, right? And still, we had those breakouts, those people in the class that just really applied it and did amazing things. And you hear those stories, those anecdotes about the improvements people made. And it's even more heartbreaking for me when, when that happens, because it can so easily be dismissed out of turn. It's like, yeah, it was one guy. And, oh, but yeah, but it's all hearsay sort of stuff. And so the ability to quantify and to actually show the full picture, to shine a light on what's happening is, is really compelling. It's interesting, CFOs are often the ones who invite actionable back after a program because they found so much value in those stuff having some metrics around it that uh, which is quite powerful hey if we can get the chief hr officer and the chief financial officer fully in sync that's a job well done i hear
1: that's almost magic actually <laughs> <laughs> when you're talking about being able to quantify qualitative data yeah it, that that is a magical magical thing
0: i think the roi of learning has been something people have been striving for a very long time and i'm not suggesting we're there yet but that's certainly, that's been my drive as well. It's the holy grail is how do we start to, we know, those of us in the space know the impact that professional learning can have. How do we make sure that the rest of the world knows and that it's irrefutable?
1: Yep. Chris, this has been a wonderful conversation. I could talk with you all day. How can people get in touch with you? How can they learn more about Actional? Actionable?
0: Yeah, good question. <laughs> good question. So yeah, Actionable.co, please don't bother the analytics firm in Texas at Actionable.com actionable.co is us. And if you want to connect with me personally, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm Chris Taylor, but there's 5,000 of us. So Chris Taylor, actionable, you'll find me. I'm happy to chat.
1: Wonderful. Chris, thank you so much. And if you want more information on Envision Rise, you can reach us at envisionrise.com.
0: Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Remember, diversity and inclusion should not be treated as a one-off initiative. And so with your help, we can get this message to more people. Subscribe, rate, and review the show and be a part of making a difference because it starts with you.